Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in Las Vegas. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father in heaven, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So we found ourselves today in the middle of the Good Friday story, though we have a few weeks to go before we really get there. This morning we hear the story of Jesus being condemned. And this passage, I want to start off by saying, carries a long history of anti-Semitism when it's interpreted as the Jews killing Jesus. I want to tell you loud and clear, that's not what we're looking at today. It's important to draw a distinction here between the people and their leaders, right? And we see this playing out in the news right now, today, and all the time, but especially in the reports we've heard of Russian people who are protesting the war waged by Putin in Ukraine. While wealthy elites remain loyal to their leader, many, especially young people, are standing up and speaking truth to power at the risk of police brutality, detainment, even their own lives. Nearly 15,000 people have been arrested there to date. And state-owned media tells a different story about the war than the one heard from independent journalists who've been silenced in recent weeks. What's the truth? We could be talking about 2022. We could be talking about 1,500 years ago. We could be talking about thousands of years ago. This story seems to remain the same. It can be hard to find truth. I mean, we look for answers. We try to watch the news, for example, if you can find actual news, that is, uh, in our media when we hear of crimes committed. And without trials or evidence presented, we're guilty of this too. We often just make judgments, our own judgments about what happened and what justice should look like before we even know the details. We might be shouting about the particularities of a case online or out marching in the streets, we pick sides, we pick teams. Truth can be hard to identify. Since each of us experiences the world based on our own perceptions, opinions, and biases, we see things differently. And what is true to me might not be true to you. We describe the ways we see ourselves and the world around us. We claim we're speaking our truth. Well, uh, that's one way to look at things, right? Objective truth means that something is true regardless of our perception of it. Earth's gravity exists. Did I just blow your mind there? No? Oh, good, good. You're with me. You might experience it differently depending on where you are in different places. Maybe you're on the moon. But it's true no matter what. There are even some objective truths that people will disagree about. At times, some choose to believe the earth is flat for some reason. I Now, I have personally never circumnavigated the globe, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say the earth is spherical. I guess that's just my opinion, man. If you want to disagree, you're free to do it. Good luck. We can't really know everything for ourselves. Some level of trust is required. So what is true for us is based on teaching. What have we learned? Who have we learned it from? 
if we trust the ones delivering the information, we might take it to be true. If I tell you something, what you think of me might play a role in the way you receive that information. So we know what we know to be true is centered in our experiences, our observations, and our relationships. Wow. Our privileges and biases shape not only how we live in the world, but how we honor the stories of others who have different experiences. What's true for us can be based on what was true for our families, our families of origin of those closest to us. Trust is a part of that. When we trust, we can learn. Without it, we've already made up our minds. And the other part of this seeking truth is we're bombarded with so much information these days. I wonder if we automatically just tune some of it out. We just can't hold it all. Our, our minds just can no longer contain the massive amounts of information that come our way. So we have to make up our minds quickly and move on, sometimes making hasty decisions just to survive. It's hard to find the time to, to deliberate, to discern what is worthy, what is true. Today we hear the story of Jesus being handed over to Pilate. Just before the Sabbath, there's some urgency by the Jewish leaders to get this matter settled before they sit down to the Passover meal, before this sacred holiday begins. So these leaders bring Jesus from Annas to Caiaphas and then to Pilate. Jesus is brought before Pontius Pilate, the Roman provincial governor. Pilate doesn't live in Jerusalem, but he's there for the Passover. Not to celebrate it, he's not a Jew, mind you, but to show that the ruling powers are in control. A show of force when everyone is in the city. He's usually in another town out on the coast. He's used to working from home. So maybe he's resentful that he even has to be there and they bring Jesus to him. He doesn't seem to know what to do with Jesus. He doesn't want to jump into the fray here in the situation for fear things might get out of control and he might not look like he knows what he's doing. And with that many Jewish pilgrims coming into the city to celebrate the high holiday, the authorities are on guard against any kind of disorder, any insurrection. They want to keep order and protect their power. That's what the powerful tend to do. So he questions Jesus is, this person, this rabbi, this guy, is he claiming some special power? Is he a king? What's truly going on here? He's trying to figure it out too. Some scholars believe that Pilate was intrigued with Jesus. Some traditions, including the Coptic church and the church in Ethiopia, hold that Pilate became a Christian. Who can be trusted here? Last week, we heard Peter's denial. Peter wouldn't even stand up for Jesus, right? He denied even knowing him. And Caroline Lewis, scholar from Luther Seminary, writes that Jesus is on trial before Pilate, but Peter's verdict also hangs in the balance. We might imagine Peter hiding away, waiting to see what's going to happen, to find out if Jesus really can be trusted, to see if the truth will come out. And aren't we so often Peter in the story? We want to know that the ones we've set our hopes upon are trustworthy and true. We want to know that our faith and our actions are not in vain, not wasted. That we haven't wasted our time. We've been so disappointed in elected officials who failed to live up to their promises. 
We've been devastated when relationships fall apart. They didn't last as long as we think they should have. Or been shocked by the moral failure of religious leaders and other authorities whose moral breakdowns have injured others or even cost lives. Can anything be true? We're waiting to find out. But Jesus knows where he's from. Jesus knows what he's been doing. Jesus has been talking about this for years now. So why doesn't he just respond to Pilate's question in a more straightforward way? Just tell us the truth, Jesus. Come on. But Jesus chooses not to argue. He answers questions with more questions. He doesn't explain away the accusations. If it was you or I, we'd be fighting for our lives, right? We'd be calling witnesses, demanding an attorney, and asserting our innocence. But the lamb goes uncomplaining forth. Is he a rebel? Is he a king? We don't even hear the crime he's been arrested for. Pilate wants to know, what did he do? All Jesus says is, my kingdom is not of this world. You might hear this pointing us elsewhere. Well, where is it from? Where is Jesus' kingdom from? John has been telling us throughout this gospel about the one who sent him the whole time. The word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The law was indeed given by Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We go back to the beginning of this gospel and we hear where we're going at the end. The word that was with God and was God came to us to inaugurate a new kingdom, a new reign, a new way of being that doesn't align with the world of power and privilege and control and oppression that we are all too aware of. The kingdom of Pilate was about keeping order. The strong survive. Jesus was about loving beyond boundaries, helping those who've been cast out The Pharisees' kingdom was about strictly following the law, even at the expense of those who were hurting. Rabbi Jesus taught a way of grace and inclusion, feeding, healing, blessing all who needed it. So Jesus doesn't care to defend himself here, maybe because he knows the outcome, maybe because he knows Pilate won't hear it anyway, maybe because the prophecy is about to be fulfilled. Jesus knows his hour has come and that God will be glorified. So Jesus responds, for this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Isn't that what we're all for? Were we born to make money, to build, to conquer, to hoard wealth and to bully others into doing what we want? Or were we all made for something else? What truth will our lives speak? Rabbi Amy Robertson shares from a a song from the Jewish morning liturgy that goes, truth, truth, you are first and you are last. Without you, we have no king. We have no redeemer. We have no savior. 
emet, truth in Hebrew, is another name for God. So Jesus isn't claiming to speak some truth or uncover some hidden secret. Jesus doesn't correct Pilate and respond to his accusations by telling the truth. But Jesus claims that everyone who belongs to the truth, who belongs to God, listens to his voice. Jesus is the truth. Can we handle the truth? You were thinking it, weren't you? The prophet sings. The works of God speak of the glory of the kingdom. They give thanks and proclaim the truth. God is good. The Lord is faithful and true. The kingdom might not be from this world, but in Jesus, it's already here. To see the kingdom is not to be pointed away to some place in the clouds, some place away from our earthly existence, but to trust and to testify to the grace that God has already shown us in Christ Jesus. Not because we earned it or achieved it, but because God loved the world, the universe, the cosmos so much and chose to free us from our sin, from ourselves in this way. Jesus was Jewish all the way, you know. Did I blow your mind again? He goes with the people at the time of the Passover, this high holiday, to remember the story of God's liberation. God's liberation of Israel from slavery in Egypt and the powerful truth of the faith that was passed down through these generations that God rescues, that God provides a way in the wilderness, that God can be trusted And now we see Jesus, the true Passover lamb, as God arrives to free the people once more in a new way. Pilate would have been content to just let the Jewish leaders handle this business on their own. But they insist that Jesus must be put to death. They allow Pilate to set the bandit, Barabbas, free. Let the bandits go. We at least know what to do with them. This Jesus is something else. Pilate no longer has any power over him. Our Lord lays his own life down. No one can take it from him because he was born for this. God, who is holy, who is good, raised him up and has freed us from sin and death. Jesus is the one to whom we all belong. Jesus is the truth. Amen.